0: Hi and welcome to Film Forums. I'm Richard Williams, creator of this platform, a place dedicated to the filmmaking community. We interview members of the film industry to find out what it really takes to make a movie, bring a script to screen or secure the acting role. If that sounds good to you, please subscribe to us on YouTube and follow us on your favourite podcasting platform. Thank you. Hi there, welcome to Film Forums. My name is Aisha Bailey, and today with me I have a special guest, another filmmaker. Would you like to introduce yourself?
1: i uh, Mike P. Nelson, and I just directed The Newest Wrong Turn.
0: Fantastic. So can you tell us a little bit about the story this time around? Obviously, it's a huge franchise. Everyone will know it. Or at least everyone my age will definitely know the original one. Well,
1: what's interesting about this story is that it takes a little bit of a different path than the first six films. When the script was given to me back in 2017, a writer of the original uh, Wrong Turn really wanted to flip this one on its head and uh, do something different uh, and something bold with this new direction. And so basically what it's about is it's about these young adults who want to go uh, hiking on the Appalachian Trail, and they run into a community of people who have been living on the mountain for hundreds of years, and they, they do something bad to these people because they basically stereotype them as inbred hillbilly types that would kill them, and ultimately this sect kidnaps the kids and brings them to their community in which they're judged in their very brutal court of law. And now they have to escape. Not only that, you have one of the girl's dads trying to find her. So you have all these storylines kind of that finally intersect. So it's a really cool uh, survival horror thriller that uh, definitely keep you on the edge. So
0: Fantastic. So it sounds like, you know, it's quite different than from the original. Um, obviously keeping the the wrong turn sort of uh, theme, but it was really quite different from the original, which is exciting, I think, because it's not just like another hash out of the same old thing, you know what I mean?
1: Well, I think the one thing too that, you know, both me and the writer and even the studio, um, or the producer from the studio, Robert Colzer, were like, you know, we're all in this mindset where it's like, We know that there's a ton of remakes and reboots being made, and so many of those go into it not really doing anything different. They just kind of, like you said, they do a rehash of what we've seen before. And to a certain extent, it satisfies the fans because they get to see kind of the same thing done again, just in a slightly different way. We didn't want to do that. We wanted to do something really unique and bold and challenging and... We knew that that was going to cause a little bit of controversy within the fan base and in the, the horror community. But we've been surprised on, on the reactions that we've gotten. Ultimately, we wanted to make something different, you know, and why not take a chance and not follow the trend of just rebooting or remaking? But how about like reinventing?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's really positive and interesting to see, you know, because especially in recent years, it's been hard in the horror genre a little bit to do something that is different. You know what I mean? So that's really, really exciting. Um, talk about how you, because you, you've you directed this project and obviously the writer is the same original writer that's done the whole franchise, which also I think is fantastic. But how did you come onto this project? What What's your background? What led you to this point in your career?
1: Man, That's a story. Uh, (laughs) but that's why we're here, right? We're telling stories. We're going to start back. I'll paraphrase some stuff and get into detail on some things. But, you know, from a young age, my dad. Showed me movies. I remember being three and four years old and sitting in our first house back in the early '80s, and my dad showing me Indiana Jones and Star Wars. I remember even him even watching Das Boot. I was probably too young for that one, but um, I still remember that it made me feel really odd and strange, and I liked it. You know what I mean? He brought me up on old sci-fi, and you know, from the '50s. And as soon as then I saw him with like a video camera, like you know, videotaping Christmas and stuff. You know, the giant thing that you'd put on your shoulder, and he'd had to carry around the vcr box and everything i wanted to shoot video too and so you know you get a little bit older i got to about you know seven years old and started making my own little films and it just kind of kept going and got together with friends and kept doing that which is a very familiar story that i think a lot of filmmakers start out that way you know they they see the dad with the video camera and they they want to do the same thing and that of course led to you know filming stories and then realizing you know I. I kind of want to do this. Like, I want to do this as like a, a job. Like I want a career as a filmmaker. I think this would be great. I love movies and I want to do what these movie makers do. So just, again, continued to make stuff through high school. Then I went to the Minneapolis College of Art and Design for filmmaking, got a BFA, four year degree. You know, say what you want about film schools, whether you love them or hate them. I think it just depends on who you are, you know, as a filmmaker or, you know, somebody who wants to get into filmmaking. Film school definitely helped me. It didn't give me everything I needed to get to where I'm at, but it gave me a good, like, first kick in the pants. And I think there's some of us that just need that. You know what I mean? There's some of us that I feel like, we're out there, we don't really know what the next step is. And, and with film school, it just kind of condensed everything into these four years about, you know, you could learn equipment, you could learn the art of filmmaking, film history. And so all this knowledge was just like smashed into these four years. And then you leave school. And that's when you really start to become, you start to come into your own. You start to find a style. I think that style starts like like a seed that starts in, in college, you know, and, and, you know, maybe prior in, in the years prior. But, man, as soon as you leave college, I feel like that's when you start to explore even more. Of course, a lot of that is on you, though. It's up to you once you leave school because you're not coddled anymore in school anymore, you know what I mean? You have to do a lot of it on your own now. And you have to want to explore and find your style and um, what you're interested in. And so you just continue continue doing that. So for me, I graduated school and that first year I was working in a grocery store. No no job in filmmaking. I started helping a, a friend of mine. I would shoot weddings. Uh, you know, make a few hundred bucks here and there. And, uh, but I would still make movies with my buddies. You have to make time for all this. I can't stress it enough. And I'm going to say it constantly throughout this talk is no matter where you are, whether you're in college or out of college, or you're not in college, you're just trying to figure it out. The main thing is to always keep creating and always keep making, even if it doesn't look like it's going to turn out good, or your ideas maybe not perfect. You just have to keep creating. So that's what we did. I wasn't necessarily making money doing storytelling, but I went out and did storytelling with my buddies, you know? So we went out and we shot me and a couple of my college friends who are still in college that were going to be graduating uh, the next year. Went out, we shot uh, an anthology horror feature. Just went out with our own money and uh, shot this movie called Summer School, which is this about this kid who goes to summer school, falls asleep, and has all these different dreams of different uh, horror subgenres that all take place within the school. And it was a fun little thing. We all got to write our own little section and they all tied together. Like, you know, we had the producer of it, like, made sure that all the the stories sort of intersected somehow and that they all tied up at the end. But it was a lot of fun. It's a huge learning experience. But what was interesting about that was that was a passion project. We all were very excited to do it. And it's ultimately what got me started in the industry. I was really into sound in college when I was doing film work and I noticed that I'm actually kind of good at doing sound. Like I felt like I had an ear for it and people would tell me like, wow, Mike, like this stuff sounds really great. Like you should really expand on this, do more with sound with your work. So I continued to do sound. And that was another thing that college really taught me was, you know, everybody wants to be a director. Everybody wants to be a cinematographer. But what about a skill? What's a skill outside of those or a trade that you could latch onto that, you know, somebody could hire you to do within the industry? For me, that was sound. And so what happened was I did all the sound for the summer school movie and all the sound design and mixed it the best I could. And we went to a guy to score the movie. He's a great composer. His name is Tom Hambleton. He's from Minneapolis, Minnesota, and he has a sound studio downtown. And we went down there and listened to his stuff. And he really liked our film. And he, you know, gave us a great deal and said, I'll do it. And then, you know, I'm trying to find, like, how do I break in? How do I break in? What, what do I do? Like, gosh, I'm really good at sound. Maybe there's some sound studios in town. Not even thinking for a minute, like, this Tom guy about, you know, working for this Tom guy. What do you know, though? I get a call one day from him saying, Mike, how'd you like to come work for me? And I was like, what? And he goes, yeah. He goes, I'm looking for a sound designer, you know, just somebody to cut audio for me. Do You know, Pro Tools and stuff. I was like, well, I sort of, I'm not great at it. He goes, don't worry about it. You'll learn it you know, summer school impressed me. I thought the sound that you did on that was great. Um, it's not perfect, but it, I thought it was really, really good for a guy who like did not go even go to like sound school or like audio, you know, technical audio school. He goes, so how would you like come work from me? I was like, sure. So from then on, I went in, started working on TV shows. We did, you know, I did like 60 some episodes of diners, driving to dives, doing like dialogue editing and music editing and Foley cutting and Foley recording and all sorts of stuff. Learned so much about sound. Cut Foley and edited, uh, did Foley art on like five features. Did sound design on on some smaller projects. And it was just, it was such a great learning experience. But again, I'm going to go back. As I was doing that, I was still making little movies. And again, this is going to be the theme. Like I was doing sound and yes, I had broken in sort of. Mm -hmm. But I was still making my own stuff. Still telling my own stories. So continue, continue to do the audio thing. And then I got an opportunity, uh, a buddy of mine from college who had started his own company, was doing very well, wanted to start a live action portion of his visual effects and animation studio and asked mm-hmm. me if I wanted to head it up and be the live action in-house director and start, you know, doing PSAs and live action commercials. And I was like, absolutely. Like, that's the next step. You know what I mean? Like, and again, so much of that came from I was making movies. I was doing things. And he saw that and said, well, Mike, you're actually doing some interesting stuff. I wasn't just sitting there doing sound work. Otherwise, I would have been doing sound for the rest of my life because that's all I would have been doing, making more movies. So I went there. So I worked in sound for about three years. Then I jumped over to this company, Make, in Minneapolis, worked there for three and a half years doing commercials. And again, while I was doing that, I was still shooting films, making shorts, doing music videos, stuff that I really liked to do. And as I was doing these things, other people started to take notice. I wasn't very good at getting my stuff into film festivals. I don't want to say film festivals aren't worth it. I think that there's a lot of great films that found at film festivals. And I think that they can offer a lot of great opportunities for directors that have a, um, a certain style and a certain taste. My style and taste were sort of taken here and there, but it it just, it wasn't the way that I went. I didn't do the festival circuit so much because my stuff wasn't really looked at as in a way that it was fitting for a lot of festivals. So I just decided, you know what, screw it. I'm just going to post my stuff online then. whatever. Like I got to have people watch it. Right. That's the main thing I can tell you is is to make sure that your stuff gets seen. If you don't get into festivals, don't worry about it. It's not the end of the world. I thought it was at one point. I thought, man, if nobody at festivals wants to see my work, well, then maybe I'm not that great of a filmmaker. That was a lie. I was lying to myself. Put your work out there. Don't worry about anybody stealing it. Put your work out so people can see it. Because otherwise, again, you're going to have stuff sitting on your hard drive. You're going to be too precious about it. And nobody cares. Really, nobody cares how precious your work is. They just want to see some cool stuff.
0: No I completely agree With you on that I think that that's Probably the area That young filmmakers Fall down the most Is that they put So much time and energy Into making something Most of the time It's a fantastic product mm-hmm. But then they're scared To put it out You know they don't Want to be judged Or it's not quite good enough Or it's scary. You know, something has fallen through With the post-production For example I think that's mm-hmm. another area where, where they can fall down A little bit And then it just ends up Not going out Which is really sad I think for everyone involved I'm an actress myself And I couldn't tell you The number of small indies that I've done that I've never gotten footage from just because something has gone wrong <laughs> in the post-production or someone has kind of chickened out almost. But I just think that it's so sad because even if it's garbage, put it out. You you put effort into it. You did it. You know what I mean? Everyone involved put blood, sweat, and tears into it. So personally, I don't care if it's amazing. I just want to see it. You know what I mean? So. Yeah.
1: Absolutely true. I mean, I think that's a great to move on to then. Is, is just, again, like when stuff gets hard with the movie, that's when you have to go balls to the wall and just say, okay, now we have to figure out how to finish it. You don't give up at that point because every Every project is going to have that moment where something's not working and it's the easiest thing to just say, well, I'll just cut my losses and move on to the next thing because this didn't work. Just finish it. It doesn't have to be perfect. You know this, this kind of seems like a little bit of a cop-out but like man if you can get like somewhere between 70% and 100 percent like somewhere in there with your project mm-hmm. then post it. If you can finish it like and say this is done and it feels like about anywhere between 70 and 100 percent, put it out into the world. Let people see it, then move on to the next one, because then you have something out there that people can actually watch.
0: You know, I think that that's really cool to see. Like, I I used to be part of a film club sort of thing myself when we started we were all terrible I was a terrible actress they were terrible filmmakers you know what I mean and we don't mind because we all say the same thing but then within two years we're starting to get into film festivals and winning awards so you just don't know and I think it's great to be able to look back on those times when you know I looked like I was reading off a board you know what I mean compared to where I've gotten to so I think it's really important to kind of just put it out there and who cares you know what I mean if it's Hollywood level or not
1: Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like you will get there if you continue to create. Look, you have the pre-college years and you have four years in college. Then you have 10 years after college where I'm still making stuff, but I'm trying to find my footing. I'm trying to figure out like, how can I get to this point where I get to make a movie? And sure enough, I make some shorts, they gain some attention. I get uh, my work put on Twitch film, back when it was Twitch film. Todd Brown, bless his heart, loved this short that I did called The Retirement of Joe Corduroy. And he started posting like the trailer for it and the posters for it. And suddenly people started noticing. And I was like, this is better than a film festival. Like this ginormous, you know, fan site and this film site, they're watching my stuff. This is great. Start making another thing while I'm working at this make. And suddenly that gets some attention. And suddenly, you know, I show that to this Todd and he goes, Did you ever think about making that short into a feature? I was like, no, I I mean, I didn't really. And so I started writing a feature of it. And sure enough, then it's like, there's a friend who I knew through somebody who was like, Mike, you know, I'd love to work with you. Like we had a great time on this commercial shoot together. Suddenly, like, he's like, Mike, do you have a script that, you know, I'm just looking for content. I know some producers out here in LA, like I did, that wrote the feature script for this short called The Domestics. That was at that point sitting on my computer for a couple of months going nowhere I was like, yeah, I have this script. You know what? Just give it to anybody. I don't care at this point. Like nothing's happening with it sitting on my computer. A couple of weeks later, I get a call from a producer. Mike, we read your script. Cameron gave it to us. We love it. Would you like to workshop it with us? You know, develop it over the next few months. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is great. This is an opportunity. So we did. And workshop that script with this company called Hollywood Gang. Hollywood Gang did movies like 300 and uh, Acts of Valor. And uh, I mean, Gianni Nunari was one of the producers on Seven and from Dust Tilt On. So this was huge. Worked with Shannon, got this going, and we got the script to a point where I was like, okay, this is good. Now, there's another thing that that I'd like to touch on just very briefly, and I know we're getting close to the end, but like, there's so many little nuggets in here that are so important. In your first outing like this, don't be scared to listen to the producer's insight. They're not always going to be right, and they want to hear your voice. They want to know that you have a strong voice. So don't always just say yes, 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 yes to them, but don't always fight them either. Because I remember um, hearing so many stories of these young filmmakers that were getting these opportunities, then the opportunity would vanish and they would be like, studio system sucks. You know, producers suck. Like we could just do this on our own. They don't want to listen. They were ruining my idea. They're still not making anything. So when I was listening to Shannon and hearing, you know, what she knew working with a studio and and what they're looking for, you have to get creative. You have to start listening to those notes and being like, okay, how can I take this note and still make it my own? So it still has my voice, but. The producer is going to say, yeah, the studio will like this. And, you know, how can we put this all together? And that was that kind of tricky balance of working that way. Ultimately, we got the script to a point where we started pitching it. We pitched it to Warner Brothers. We pitched it to MGM. And we were going to pitch it to even more. But then MGM was like, we want it. Honestly, like there were a few months that went by where we started doing some pre-pre-production, looking at casting. There's always that drama. But ultimately, I got to make a feature film with MGM, and it was my first one, and it kind of it changed everything, you know? It was like, you did your first feature? But at the same time, I had so much great experience working in sound and then working as a director in that in-house directing thing, doing a, a short one-year, like kind of a sitcom show here in, in Minnesota, directing that like, for a year, like... I was like prepping myself for this moment. So then when I launched into this, it was like, I feel at home. I'm ready for this. And then one of the cool things was I remember when I left school, I just found this little piece of paper. Like this was a couple of months ago. I found this little piece of paper in a folder when I was doing some cleaning at our house here. There was a thing that in the college, they asked you, you know, in 10 years, where do you want to be? I said, I want to make a Hollywood movie. 10 years. And it was just under 11 years that I was shooting my first movie with MGM. Again, that was just me never stopping, even when it was tough, even when it didn't seem like anything was gonna happen and just to continue to go. There's even more stories that, but like ultimately, you know, you get your first feature film, and in my case, I got it. And I wasn't shooting my next feature this wrong turn for another three years. And that was scary because now, you know, not only did you work yourself up to this level where now you're kind of at the top of your game, but then you Mm -hmm. join the Hollywood Studio system as a brand new director and you immediately go right back down to the bottom. (laughs) and you start all over again and you start to work yourself back up and so you know there's some directors who break in they make a film and suddenly boom everybody wants him i wasn't that guy right away i made this film it went out it did okay and uh started to pitch more got a lot of no's no sorry it's not what we're looking for Oh, it's a little too weird no mike we love you but it's just not right right now as an actress you know like i mean Directors and actors have a very similar kind of path, especially when it is to finding like financing or finding your job. You have to go into a room and literally pitch yourself. You have to audition. Well, I love pitching; it's a great experience, but it's also like strenuous, and you're just like the no's after no after no. It's really really hard. We'll say this like two years went by, and like something came across my desk. It was this new script. It was called Wrong Turn. I was like, oh my god, Wrong Turn. Are you serious? Like Wrong Turn has has a stigma about it, and I wasn't quite sure about it, but I read the script. I thought it was unique. I thought it was different. It's the mm-hmm. original writer of the first movie. Mm-hmm. Holy buckets. Like huge. I mean there it is in in sort of a nutshell I know it was a little long but that that sort of was the path to get to here
0: No but I think that that's really important for people to hear because a lot of people they come out of film school or not even film school but maybe just a college course like community college I think you guys call it in the US we just call it college. (laughs) It's almost like it's expected to be overnight and that's just not how it works in the film industry for anybody you know I mean it doesn't matter what role you're playing it's very rare that you're going to be an overnight success even the overnight success there's been a huge build-up to that there's been a catalogue of work and there's been networking networking's super important for you to even meet the people who are going to give you a job a couple of my friends graduated a couple of years ago they're filmmakers we kind of consult kind of thing and, and talk because I've been doing filmmaking I've been in and around filmmaking now for a while about 10 or 11 years yeah. so they tend to ask me stuff because I, I don't just do acting I do I put my my fingers in a few pies you know yeah. um, <laughs> as you well- have to will do you know I keep just saying to them pretty much the same as what you're saying here just like narrative filmmaking is the long game you've got to be prepared for the long game short game would be things like doing weddings and getting a job that's something to do with the film industry It's going to pay your bills for now but it's maybe not like the ultimate ultimate goal but it is an important part of the journey I think doing that rather than working a normal job that you know that's nothing to do with the film industry is much better if you can get in any capacity in the film industry then you're connecting with people. You don't know who you're going to meet. You don't know who's going to give you a job. But in terms of Wrong Turn, when I saw the press release, I saw the title and I went, oh, they've called another film, you know, Wrong Turn, because I remembered the original and I didn't realise, you know, that it was another part in that franchise. And I was like... Oh, okay they've kind of just like stolen the name there that's like they just think everyone's forgotten about it or something you know what I mean and then as I was reading the press release I realised what it actually was and I was like oh cool you know that's awesome because I grew up on horror I shouldn't have I don't agree with my mum's parenting choice there but that was our thing you know what I mean we would, <laughs> we would go to Blockbuster and we would get the DVD that was the most recent horror film and wrong turn people say what they will about it but I'll tell you something it's a film I've never forgotten so that's a win you know what I mean and see. Seeing the trailer, I thought the trailer looks fantastic, you know, for your film. Can you tell us really quickly what your process was or, or if you had any involvement in that? What do you think makes a good Potter trailer?
1: That is the $64,000 question. Like, trailers are so important. We were very fortunate working with Saban and uh the I can't remember the company that cut this trailer. Anyway, they killed it. You see so many trailers that give a lot away or don't quite create the tension. This one really did. It just created a really great atmosphere which our movie has just this really nice, daunting, dreadful atmosphere through it. And the trailer really grabbed onto that. And so I think working with a company that understands your movie that doesn't just want to throw it away that really believes in it because they're the ones that are going to put the effort and that extra finishing touch into marketing to put your work out there and make it shine i remember when i first saw the trailer i was like oh my gosh this is so cool <laughs> yeah. the trailer for the first film that i did domestic was okay but it was nowhere as powerful as this one was and so having a good trailer for your film wh- horror or, or any genre i think is just such a cool feeling to have that but not only that it's like it's just getting people excited
0: Mm -hmm. yeah i agree and i think that the trailer definitely does a really good job of that anyway i mean it's got over three hundred thousand views on youtube that was when i checked it when the press release first came out so who knows what it's at right now but it's obviously doing the job because people are shaving it that's how you get that type of momentum so that's really good to see i think the film is going to be very successful i know that we've got a review coming out of it as well a written review so we'll be sure and pass that on and i know that it's positive so yeah that's good Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, um, thank and you so much,